You're listening to K is for Kinky with Jen and Eden. It's true. It is true. (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about something very magical and very on theme for Valentine's Month, which is collaring ceremonies. Bum, bum, bum. I don't know why I did that. (laughs) I think you're just announcing the joy. It's kind of like, you know... A prince jumping down from his carriage, entering the palace. That's uh, that's our topic today. It's the lovely prince coming to the ball. What? I don't know. Like, just this roll is with already, it. This is already really bad. Well, this is the episode, so right. enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the K's for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist... The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. Wow, I can't wait to talk about collaring ceremonies. Um, Hi, Eden. Hi, Miss Jen. (laughs) Contrary to the opening, typically collaring ceremonies don't involve princes getting out of carriages and walking into a ball, but they could, and I certainly hope that ours does have that at it. Um, what? Collaring ceremonies. <laughs> I mean, first of all, they're a very big uh, part of DS, BDSM culture. Um, and they're similar. Many people compare them to wedding ceremonies, um, except for they're not legal. Um, so, you know, you can't be like, I, I am collared and so that is binding and you owe me half of your wealth. Like, that's a marriage. I mean, technically, you could have a wedding ceremony that's not legal. But that's double you stacking. Don't, that's, you don't sign the papers. That's double stuffed. Um, that's the honeymoon. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I'm just giving her a moment. Oh, no, she's going to start crying. Oh, this is done. Basically, Miss Jen's gone for like half the episode now because she's crying. She cry laughing. Um, collaring ceremonies are... <laughs> Uh, very equatable to wedding ceremonies. I guess there could be honeymoons after <laughs> collaring ceremonies, and I guess you could be double stuffed. Thank you, Miss Jen, um, for being the least mature person in every room at all times. That's great. We may have to pause. I, are you going to be able to come back? Can you say something into the mic? Can you can you talk to the mic? <laughs> can you try? I don't know what to do right now. I can't. I can't stop her. She's still going. I don't know what to do. I guess we're just gonna pause. I'm trying to keep talking, but I don't. Okay, so anyways, um, we've had a collaring ceremony, but just for the first collar that we have, um, there are many different types of collars. Um, and today we wanted to talk about like that she's still doing it. I don't know. I'm not even saying anything funny anymore. This is this sort of like typically when she laughs this hard, it's over something kind of silly or like it's over somebody getting hurt. Like those are the two things that she laughs the hardest about. And then once she starts laughing like this, like you can basically be like. Somebody tripped and she'll just, yeah, there she goes. And all you have to do is just like almost minimal, the most minimal effort possible to make her keep laughing to the point of tears. Like she's actually wiping tears. <laughs> Let me see if I can say something else. No, stop. A kid is outside and he's throwing a tantrum and he trips and falls off the curb. And she started laughing. There she goes. Cause you imagine the kid falling, huh? That, that did it for you. Yep. And she's nodding. She said, yep, that did it for her. A man falls into an open grate. He's alive, but he's slightly injured. I tripped down some stairs. Oh my god, stop. Do you want to do the podcast or not? Do you remember that time I fell down the stairs? (laughs) I fell down like a whole flight. And I landed on my ass. And you like, were barely, she's literally like, she's going to die. She was barely containing 
her laughter and she's like she called down the stairs are you hurt and i'm like no just my ego and then the laughter starts it just doesn't take much for you really especially if it's me in particular you're like oh that's good humor okay can we keep going now i would love to keep going are you ready to do the podcast I'm trying but you keep telling me funny things i'm not funny that i hurt i got hurt it should be funny to you you sadist <sighs> We're supposed to be talking about collaring ceremonies. Uh, right. Yes. Do you remember? And then you said double stuffed and then you lost your shit. <laughs> <laughs> there she goes again. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Miss Jen. Um, Are you col- okay? ceremonies. Yes. Okay. Let's start. I just want to say super fast. Um, for those who are listening that may not be as familiar, there's different like types of collars. And we're sort of fast forwarding to what can typically be called like the official caller, quote unquote. The big mama band. The, no. <laughs> so, and you can have collaring ceremonies for other callers, but typically you'll see collaring ceremonies for like the official caller or the um, final caller, if you will. Yeah. So we're going to talk really briefly about um, types of callers really quick. Uh, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because we have done a video on this before. We've also done a YouTube video that is our most watched YouTube video of all time um, with us recounting our collaring ceremony. It's really beautiful. We also shot it differently than all the other videos. So like it actually is like somehow one better. Like I definitely recommend watching it. I'll put a link um, in the description of this episode because I'm really proud. And of just that. to specify, like we did, I did a collaring ceremony for the consideration collar, but but typically with collars for BDSM, <gasps> there's different types of collars, and we're gonna do a rundown real fast. The first collar that you're most likely to see um, is one that has very little meaning. Um, I'm gonna call this the aesthetic collar. A lot of people have aesthetic collars that they wear that don't. Um, actually have ds significance they're just for the look um they're a fashion choice or um they might have meaning temporarily for that moment but they're not something worn no i'm talking about aesthetic (laughs) collars and i want to have that be like the bottom tier of collars because they don't really have a lot of symbolic meaning but it doesn't mean that they're not beautiful or that they're not um maybe symbolic for that person at that moment so for instance maybe you know, lady sugar buns yes that's good (laughs) let's go with that lady sugar buns buys a collar from Claire's and puts it on <laughs> and she is wearing no, hot it. topic hot topic let me tell my own story okay. about sugar buns her name's sugar buns do you think I don't know that she shops at Claire's <laughs> we all know sugar buns does lady sugar buns shops at Claire's she gets a collar she wears it to the dungeon this collar for that night helps her get into her headspace but she takes it off at the end of the night and it's sometimes just a necklace and it doesn't necessarily have any other significance Anyways, that's a type of collar you might see, um, the aesthetic collar. And it doesn't really factor into DS collaring, but it it deserves to be mentioned because a lot of people in the scene nowadays have no idea when they look at somebody wearing one of these things, if it's a choker, aesthetic, if it's a collar, like people don't know. What's best to do in every case is to ask and never, never touch somebody's necklace because because it might be a collar. You might think it's a choker, you might think it's a necklace, and actually it's a collar. Don't touch without asking. I um, learned that the hard way for someone else. Someone else flew under a bus in front of me so that I could learn that. Well, and also, like, in vanilla culture and in a lot of our families, it's not impolite to, like, touch somebody's pendant or necklace. Like, I feel like vanilla culture teaches us that there are certain types of physical touch 
that are allowed and that should be expected. And kink culture and more modern vanilla culture is now teaching that consent is always required. And that's just safest to go by. Let's move up the tier here. So we just did aesthetic collar. Now we're going to go to the first collar that sometimes has symbolism within the scene. Um, and this is a play collar. A play collar can be exchanged between like a top and a bottom. A play collar can be worn by some like a, a person who wants to put it on themselves. Um, it's really typically only worn in the scene or to get the headspace. It has a lot of meaning, but it doesn't necessarily indicate a DS dynamic. And again, it goes on temporarily. It comes off after the scene is done. Like that to me, the temporariness of the collar and the lack of DS associated with it is what qualifies a play collar as a play collar. Yeah, like a lot of tops will have a collar and cuff set that they'll use with any play partner, multiple play partners. Yeah. Um, Or, I mean, there are also bottoms who they will um, bring their own play collar that they always put on themselves. So that's another way to look at that. The next thing I want to talk about um, is something that I'm putting on the next tier up, but I actually don't really want to qualify it hierarchically. Um, I guess I'm using it as a tier because self-callers don't necessarily indicate a DS dynamic with another person. They're a commitment to self, and they're a huge and very personal part of how some people connect to themselves, usually as an S-type or a submissive because I don't know many D-types who collar themselves, although I'm sure there's somebody out there who does. Um, but self-collaring is a way of getting into a DS headspace or just getting into any headspace in the scene, um, with yourself as the regulator. That would be a good interview. It would be a really good interview. interview somebody who is self-collared. Multiple people who are self-collared because there's so many different ways to self-collar, but self-collaring is super valid. And especially for some people who either don't want their relationship to define their ability to, to wear a collar or who see their commitment to their self and their self-care as deeply personal, um, or just people who want to wear collars that have meaning and don't have a relationship and, you know, whatever. Self-collaring is a really beautiful option. Um, and the reason I don't really feel like it fits into the tier system is simply because at any given time you can self-collar. And at any with, it, with any given person, that self-collar is going to have a different meaning. So it's just an option. It's an option. Um, and I don't really know, it, based on each individual person for self-collaring, if they tier it. So I don't know if somebody who does a self-collar goes through like a consideration process for themselves and then escalates to a training collar and then escalates to a final commitment collar. That to me seems out of place. I haven't heard of it. It's possible. But to me, what I've noticed with self-collars for the most part is that the self-collar is already completed. It is a commitment to self, period. (laughs) So we've now covered aesthetic collars, play collars, and self-collars. We're going to get into now collars that specifically tie into DS relationships. And these are the ones that hierarchically have tiers that um, are usually moved through in the following fashion. And some people swap these tiers, but... Or jump ahead. They jump ahead, yeah. (laughs) We're going to kind of just quickly cover three most common collar types. First, there's a consideration collar. A consideration collar um, is basically that first symbol of like, we are connected in DS... Um, we are considering each other for a final caller. Um, it's usually the beginning of the journey. Some people will call the consideration caller a training caller, but it's the same general idea of it's the first step of three. Most people will give a consideration caller within a year of knowing somebody or after a first year. Miss Jen waited two years to give me mine. Um, the second step caller, we're calling a training caller. Some people call it the consideration caller, but it's literally the time period where you are being trained and honed um, to prepare yourself 
for that final commitment caller. And it's usually a time period in a DS relationship or dynamic where you're figuring out, yeah, we want to build this together, but how do we hone this relationship to its finest point, basically? Um, most people will give a training caller or give this second caller when the training period begins. Um, Miss Jen is the opposite and will give me a training caller when we have completed training or when we are far enough along in training where we are actually nearing the final preparation zone for the final caller. Um, but a training caller is not quite that final. Um, but it is a symbol of we already know we want this. We've already had time spent together and now we're honing it into its final, final thing, right? The last caller, the final caller, the official caller is basically at the end of this run after consideration, after training, you have fully committed to each other. You are a hundred percent certain, um, you have built what you need to build and you have the structures in place to have an efficient, beautiful dynamic. That's typically sort of what an official caller means. Official callers are very similar to honestly like wedding rings. Um, yes, they can be dissolved. No, they are not legal. You can always leave something if it's not good for you, but the official caller is a pretty big deal. Um, and official callers, aesthetically speaking, often look like but do not always look like infinity collars which are these you might have seen them they look like these metal circles that there's no visible lock on them and there's no vis visible starter end on these collars um not everybody uses their official collar that way but i've noticed personally that a lot of people who are wearing that type of collar it's their official um and i think it's because it, it's more permanent it's more difficult to take off um, and it also shows no beginning and no end, like a circle, like an infinity, basically. Um, it's a really cool concept, the graduation of these collars. Um, and that final ceremony is a pretty big deal. You can have a ceremony, though, for every single one of these steps. And I would prefer to do that personally um, because I feel like it's a celebration um, to graduate through this collar system. The ceremony is for <clears throat> um, consideration and training are usually on a smaller scale. Um, oftentimes people will wait until the official collaring ceremony to do some of the more <clears throat> traditional aspects of a collaring ceremony. Um, and some people won't do ceremonies at all until they get to that point. So it just, it's, it's up to you. And some people won't do a collaring ceremony at all for any of it. Right. It's, it's up to you. Um, it's kind of like getting married where you could just go to the courthouse and sign some papers yeah. you don't have to have a ceremony um and that's the same here you don't you make it what you want yeah now the one thing that is pretty commonly agreed upon um is that callers should take time um like if somebody approached you and wanted to put an official caller on you within one month that's actually a red flag um even somebody wanting to put a consideration caller on you within one month is very unusual because callers um, have historically had a lot of importance and meaning. But as you heard me mention, there are a lot of aesthetic callers, play callers, self callers are a new type of collaring that's valid and you know not really confined by this graduation or this es this escalator, this collar escalator, this DS escalator, D escalator. Um, anyways, sorry, that's and some people also will use cuffs as part of the graduation, so. They might, you know, for consideration, they might present, the D-type might present um, wrist cuffs for 
the training, <clears throat> they might present ankle cuffs, and then the official collar goes on at the end. So, like, again, there's more there's so more examples of this. I'm just throwing that in there because it's something that I don't <clears throat> think people talk about quite as much. But yeah. there is that sort of process as well. Basically, the idea is that you're building the foundation, you're building the structure to support, and then you are committing to like a future together like that's kind of the way that I see this escalation is like all of the steps it takes to have a strong dynamic I feel like once you're putting on an official collar it's because you're already there you you are prepared it's not like you don't have anything in place you're just hoping for the best and I feel like honestly when we look at like engagement rings and wedding rings um there is no strong meaning attached to those beyond like for an engagement ring it's usually like I am promising to marry you within a period of time and we will plan a wedding and then the wedding ring is put on when that has been done um so usually wedding rings and engagement rings are symbols of like love and like a hope for future together but they're not necessarily symbols what (laughs) commitment yeah but they're not necessarily symbols of here's the work we've done to create a structure for us to live by so that our relationship is healthy and can thrive and i feel like callers if used in this sort of escalation way can symbolize that and that's why they have so much meaning and so much importance to the bdsm and ds community well and also something that commonly happens especially during the training stage if not already during the consideration stage is um if you choose to do so some sort of ds contract right and so oftentimes that'll be uh worked on um fine-tuned if you will and continuously worked on hopefully throughout the relationship um, but <clears throat> again, it's, we say contract, it could be agreement again, not legally binding, Not legally <laughs> but binding. it, it is representative hopefully of work that those people are putting into the relationship and the dynamic itself. And usually that's something that is really focused on leading up to the official caller. I was kind of floored by this when I came into the scene There is a history and sort of a traditional way of doing these ceremonies. Um, And we kind of touched on it a little bit in our last episode um, about uh, trials that us types will go through, which is, again, like if you've never been in the scene and you've never heard of this before, it can be kind of startling um, to encounter this concept. Um, But uh, let's let's just kind of dive into this. So for our uh, consideration caller – Miss Jen surprised me. There um, weren't any trials. There weren't any trials. <laughs> it was an awarding of the caller, and it was a it was it was overdue, um, but oh also God. it was right on time. <laughs> According to Miss Jen, it was right on time. <laughs> um, I was overdue in the sense that Miss Jen teaches or has taught in her BDSM one hundred and one class that callers mark the beginning of growth, not the end. And Miss Jen... Yeah, typically people will present the consideration caller within the first several months of a relationship. Um, or at least after the first year. Like within a year. Uh, usually we're looking at usually three, under three that. to 12 months, you'll see someone present a consideration caller. Miss Jen did not do this with me. She waited to a t- until no. the two-year mark. To be fair, when we first met, you were like, I'm not wearing a collar. Because I didn't <laughs> so have there was year. that. How long was it before you were like, oh, by the way, okay, well, I changed all, my mind. <laughs> it's jarring. It's jarring to come into the scene and to see everybody in collars and to understand that collarship basically means ownership. 
also as a person who you know grew up with dogs and pets I see collars as belonging on pets and my desire to do submission and dominance and to play around with like you know impact playing things that didn't necessarily match up with a desire to have somebody put a collar on my neck. It didn't have I'm not any blaming you. I'm just explaining. <laughs> okay. It didn't have any meaning to me. And in fact, it was off-putting to me when I first came into the scene because I didn't understand the significance of them. I wasn't upset other people were wearing them, but I was very alienated from the concept and very like overwhelmed by it. You know what I mean? And so yeah, when I first met Miss Jen, I was like, <laughs> I have no desire to put a collar on. Do not put a collar on me. You know, and I'm actually now knowing Miss Jen and knowing her ideals about DS, which she herself wasn't as fully aware of in the beginning of our relationship, right? I'm surprised she consented to being in a relationship with me where I had taken coloring off the table because DS is super important to Miss Jen with her romantic relationships. And I guess the reason that she didn't push it with me is because she probably saw DS is still possible regardless of a collar. Well, yeah. I mean, oops, I hit the thing. Um... People do DS also without a physical collar, too. I mean, collars don't have to be around the neck. They can be other things, and you don't have to use one at all if you don't want. Well, what ended up happening is I did want one. I I discovered (laughs) I wanted one, and and Miss Jen waited a really long time to give me one, and the reason it felt like it was overdue. Just a a year from the time I knew you wanted one. (laughs) It felt overdue because she was teaching that you give a consideration caller to someone you're considering. And I was being considered our relationship was already at that stage, but she had done nothing to mark it. And it felt very hurtful as the S type to have my dominant, not acknowledge our relationship and where it was at. And, um, I was having people in the scene come up to me and ask me why I didn't have a caller. It was painful um, because I didn't know the answer. I didn't know if I wasn't good enough. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know why it was taking so long. It was really challenging for me. Um, so I would say first, if you, if you want to go through collaring route with your S type, make it clear to yourself and to your S type, what your standard for a collar is, because I was being taught by my dominant that the standard was, you know, the collar is awarded at the start of a journey, not the end. So by the time I got my consideration collar, it was extremely meaningful. My collar has a lot of meaning because of the fact that it symbolized work that had already been completed. And where we were headed, not the beginning of it. So it, it, it was a very big deal to me to get the collar. And what's funny is that I haven't felt anxiety since about any other type of escalation with collars because I now understand that I will know in my gut when it's time to move on because I will know in my gut that we have completed training or that we have gotten far enough along in training where our DS is thriving. And I feel like I'm going to know that as soon as she knows that. And I'm not uncomfortable. I'm not uncomfortable with the amount of time I've had the collar I have now because it's not about how quickly you move through these phases. That that doesn't fucking matter at all. What matters is... Well, it matters if you do it too quickly. Well, yeah. <laughs> but to me, what matters is that my dynamic is where I want it to be and where she wants it to be. And recently, we've started to have some growth, but we stagnated for a while because we were struggling in our life. Not with each other necessarily, but our life has been out of balance. Pandemic. Yeah. When your life is out of balance, (laughs) it's very hard to focus on DS. When you have a partner that you overlap with as a life partner, you live with them, you nest with them, and you're doing everything together with them, sometimes just surviving is what's on the top of your list. And you're there with each other, but DS takes special effort and focus. And only recently have we been able to kind of catch our breath enough to look at where we are at and go, 
how do we how do we fix what's been damaged and how do we grow so we're starting this beautiful part of our journey where i am feeling like there's a shift in how we're interacting with each other i don't know if you agree michelle mm-hmm. do you do you are you just you're humming sorry my eyes are really tired oh they're tired <laughs> do you want to close them no you're doing it right now she said no and she closed them you're so god you're so fucking cute um she's just adorable she's got a cat in her lap too she's so seepy she's overwhelmed um with emotion because of how good our dynamic has been doing that's what it is but like i feel like maybe at the end of this year we might be looking at graduating to a training caller maybe i also trust my dominant to be able to judge that and that's something that i count on her i count on her and the same thing goes with marriage and other escalations i'm counting on her to do the work to get us to points like that where it's not a surprise that these things are happening it makes sense because the foundation has been built but yeah for our first caller ceremony she presented the caller on stage it was beautiful there was like a cake it was a celebration um there was her putting it on me, which was so fucking magical. And she read something beautiful, which I have folded and saved. Um, because Miss Jen's words don't always come out of her face. <laughs> they come out of her actions. But in this case, she verbally and wrote down, like she verbally expressed love and the importance of our dynamic. Um, and it's very meaningful. So that ceremony was special. It was public but it didn't involve any sort of trial. No, it wasn't a full ceremony. It was... We joked that I put myself through a trial because... Well, yeah, you put yourself through your own trial because you were so... Bent out of shape. Upset and obsessed with not having a collar. Well, because... That it... you almost didn't show up to the ceremony. Well, you tricked me. I didn't know a ceremony was happening and I had to take a big leap of faith. Um, but it wasn't... A, I wasn't upset. Like, you know, I wasn't being like superficial about the collar. It was like it was hurtful to me because my relationship wasn't being acknowledged by my partner as what it was. So you thought, so I thought I had no idea that my partner had for months been planning this months, months, like a long time, eight months. Yeah. She had been planning this for a long time and she asked me to trust her and to have confidence in her. And I almost lost confidence that night. Um, yeah. On the, the night of yeah, on, like, it, it, it again, I don't, better timing. <laughs> I don't want to rehash it because you have this beautiful video that comes. Yeah, per- definitely. Per- like we say, I put myself through trials, but, um, trials are a little bit different. So we're going to talk about that. Um, when I get a training caller at some point, hypothetically in the future, I don't know if my dominant will be doing trials and I don't know that she'd tell me in advance anyways, pod on the podcast or off of it. But I don't actually anticipate that she would because trials are very specifically unique um, to the final collaring ceremony. So, Miss Jen, can you talk about what trials are? Yeah. Are we going to talk about, like, the rose ceremony? ceremony yeah, as well. Too? Okay. Well, okay. So, common things that happen at the final collaring ceremony or the official collaring ceremonies are trials. There's a rose ceremony that's pretty, um, I don't want to say popular, but, like, it's part of BDSM culture. Um, and there's often like a party that will occur as well. And usually there are witnesses. This is not all the time, but this is, yeah, it's, it's very (laughs) honestly, like it's reminiscent of a wedding ceremony in certain ways. And people do also like do both. Like they might have a coloring ceremony and they may also legally get married as well. I would not want to do both. I would want to have separate events for those things. Well, they might not have this. It might be the same event, but it might also be separate, but around the same time. I'm just letting you know, personal note. Oh, my God. If we were to get married, I would want it to be a separate (laughs) event from the coloring ceremony. 
any who's you want to be able to invite your family is that what you're saying I think that's the big part <laughs> um and then also I think I want the concept of our DS to be separated from a romantic relationship because even though they are intertwined I feel like they take different types of work and there's just different types of focus and celebration you know the the DS is something to share with kinky family and kinky friends not my mom and my dad <laughs> they would not understand that very well they would not enjoy watching me go through trials no yeah so, I mean, trials are typically, um, they symbolize the S-type surrendering to the D-type and, and kind of showing that sacrifice um, is the best way I can describe it in this moment. In some of the, the ceremonies that I have personally attended, um, there was one that was between a Spanko couple. I know some people don't like the word spanko, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. I know. Apparently some people don't like it. I don't know. Their trials basically was done by the D-type and it was it was essentially just a very heavy scene, essentially. Um, we know somebody else who they went through their trials not like in front of everyone for the ceremony, but they did their ceremony at one of my events. And so before they came up and did the ceremony itself, um, which included the rose ceremony and the placing of the collar, um, they just did a scene in another room, which normally um, when they would play, they had sort of typical, you know, safe words and blah, 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 whatever. Um, but this time it was, you could, the S type could safe word, if they had a medical emergency, like it was just taken to kind of the next level. Um, and let's see. Then another one that I went to that was a little bit more formal. They had three different people who played an important role in their life who each did a separate trial with the S-type. Um, and it was kind of cool. Like I'm not like blood play is not like my jam, that it's was my a bad jam way a to put bit. that. That was a bad, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you a bad said it weird. Um, but it was kind of cool because the S type was wearing a white, I think it was a dress, and they did the single tails with the dress on, and they ended up like the blood started to come through, like so the pretty. white. And I mean, they expected that to happen. It wasn't like, oh God, my dress is ruined. Um, but it was basically, you know, it's it's doing things that are. A little that that take trust and that are a little more kind of pushing the S types limits in a sense um, to show their devotion and their sacrifice and surrender. So it's it's beautiful in that way. Yeah, and you know I, I mentioned this in the episode that we just did, um, the kinky love languages episode. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it after this episode. Um, but I mentioned that when I first came into the scene and for years, I really, I, I mean, there's a difference between respecting other people's interest in something and sharing that interest yourself. So like, for instance, I can totally respect that people like to do scat play. Um, as long as they're doing it in a way that's like as sanitary as possible and they're cleaning up afterwards and whatever, like you do you. And if I don't want to see it, that's fine, but I'm not going to stop you from doing it. Right. Um, that was kind of how I felt about trials, honestly, like, because to me, there's something off about a relationship where one person has to prove and sacrifice everything and someone else just sits there and receives it. Um, because that honestly doesn't sound 
it didn't, at least at that time, especially sound very equitable to me. Um, or, well, you must making a face, but like, That's I don't, point. <laughs> but it's not. And like, I, I strongly disagree with that. I don't think the point is inequity. And if I thought that was the point, I would still be refusing to even entertain the thought today. I don't think the point of I'm um, talking about the D type not going through the same trials. It's not about both of them doing the same thing. I mean, I would love to see a ceremony where the D type put themselves through trials for the S type because I think um, under no circumstances should one partner in any relationship be suffering for the other partner constantly. Um, there should never be a relationship if where their S type is a brat. They suffer every day. But you know what I'm saying? Like if, if your relationship is actually such where the D type just receives everything, takes everything and gives nothing, that's abusive. Like, okay, well, let's not get into this because I could say something to that, but let's move on. What are you going to say to that? Because what the D type gives and sacrifices looks different. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that okay. if there was really a relationship where the D-type did nothing, gave nothing, and just took, took, took. I thought that's what you were saying, that the trials are. No, is, I'm saying oh. that it – but no, I'm not saying that's what trials are. Okay. I'm not saying that's what trials are. I'm saying that when I first saw them, that's what I perceived them to potentially be, and I wasn't interested in that. I also understood, even before I – had more empathy personally for them that just because I wasn't interested in something or I didn't understand it didn't mean that other people couldn't do it healthily or happily um that's what I mean there's a separation between allowing other people to explore and to experience life as they will and choosing something for yourself but there has been a shift in my thinking because I've started to understand and see that even in a situation with trials where the s-type is going through them the d-type is not the D-type is going through the trials with the S-type. If the D-type doesn't care about the S-type's pain, if the D-type isn't affected in some way or moved in some way by the S-type sacrifice, if they're not actively experiencing an emotional parallel to those trials as the S-type puts themselves through it, that D-type doesn't deserve that S-type. I've never seen that happen. I think by the time you get to that level, it definitely affects you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. To, to only see on the surface level, a trial where S-types are suffering basically in some way and the D-types just sitting there like a king being like, mur, mur, mur. I am mur. like if that's all you see and that's all that it is, then no, that's not appealing <laughs> to me personally. I mean, maybe for like a scene, if you're doing a scene where like somebody's being a sadistic and that's all they're doing. But hopefully, and what I would think would be true for us, if I was going through trials for my dominant she would challenge me with things that were safe for me to do. Like she wouldn't be like, I'm going to make you have sex with a man as your trial. Like she wouldn't traumatize me doing something that I don't want to do, like a hard limit. Um, but she would put me through trials, one, to see me rise to the occasion. But two, I feel like she would be on that journey with me watching. It wouldn't no, just. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off and grab some. Uh... But I'm saying like, I'm saying like <laughs> you, th- that expression in that moment has meaning because you walk it together. Like for us to get to the point where we were ready for a final caller, where we were doing trials, for us to get to a point where I trusted you enough without resentment or resistance to be willing to go through trials and for you to get to a point where you understand fully what that sacrifice actually is for me and for you to be like, I not only want to ask her to do it, but I'm actually willing to hold her. I'm willing to receive the responsibility of this level of commitment and I'm willing to give it back. That is not a one-way street. That is an exchange. That is a power exchange. Dun, da, da, da. 
I did not understand when I first saw and heard these things, what was healthy about a power exchange where one person appears to hold all of it and the other has none. And what I've learned over the last five years is that a healthy power exchange in no way has one person holding all of it. It's just a different relationship style and dynamic than I was used to seeing in the vanilla world. And in order for it to work healthily, there has to be so much commitment, love, and devotion from both sides. So again, like the S-type might be actually physically going through trials. The D-type is mentally, emotionally, and spiritually bound in them. They are also going through those trials during that ceremony. Or at least I feel they should be. Because it's a very serious thing to ask somebody to suffer for you. And it's a very serious thing to accept that level of submission from somebody. It's not to be done lightly. Um, it's, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I, I could move myself to tears right now talking about what it could be. But I had no ability I've to understand. I've cried under- at every ceremony I've I been know. to. <laughs> I had no ability to understand this depth without actually starting to do DS in the way that we've been doing it. I have never been able to trust somebody. The amount that it would take for me to trust you to do trials. I feel like there is something being built with us that is going to be so incredibly strong that it's going to be able to support a trust like the one that I'm describing. Um, it's really fucking beautiful. You know, so the trials piece no longer is a hard limit for me or something that I find off-putting as long, again, as it's being done in a way that is ethical and that is truly from love and devotion and not from exploitation. And I think that fear of exploitation is something that I still have, but not within my own dynamic at this point. Um, I have it because there are people who are abusive, who would see a structure like this and who would see an opportunity like this and ironically fetishize it. Fetishize it and remove the meaning and remove the heart and remove the connection and just want the thing to have the thing. And I feel like if you are fetishizing people to the point where you're not allowing them to be humans and where you're not building the connection and making a sustainable, healthy relationship, you're using them. And that's a fear that I have had about the concept of DS that I have seen be kind of shattered around me as I've walked through DS with my dominant. Well, and that's why we say it's a red flag. If, if you're, especially like I'll see where a new S type comes in and there's a D type going, you know, oh yeah, we played a couple of times. I want to, you know, collar you and make you mine. And it's like, oh. Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like I'm sitting here describing these fucking trials. We haven't even talked about the rose ceremony yet, which Miss Jenna's going to describe because I, I personally don't know a lot about it beyond what I've been told. But like, you know, We've talked about before, like, if you are a D-type expecting a certain type of treatment because you're a D-type, what are you doing to earn that, right? That concept of, like, if you want respect, how are you actually commanding it? By command or by earning it, right? I think the same is true of a collaring ceremony. The same is true of a, a submissive. If you want a submissive to be so devoted to you that they are willing to make sacrifices to you, what are you doing to support that submissive? What are you doing to build that dynamic, how committed and how involved are you? Like, this is a really serious type of commitment. So I would just, like, kind of process that and sit with that. If you're listening to this and you're wondering, is collaring for you? Like, it's it's not, you know, just wrapping something around somebody's neck and calling them yours. It's taking responsibility for the life and the the happiness and the stability of somebody else. That's kind of, to me, the level of commitment that a final caller can be hypothetically marriage should also be a commitment of that level of that magnitude now in reality is marriage actually a commitment like that anymore i mean my divorce says otherwise and so does 
the huge number of divorces that happen each year. Um, I feel like that's actually one of the reasons why I'm so floored by collaring ceremonies and the potential for collaring in general is that the um, focus on building something that can be sustained is a heavier emphasis with callers than it is with marriages in the vanilla world. It's kind of refreshing to walk into a world where there is a potential for relationship structures already kind of built into the culture that focuses heavily on making something that can work and on, on, you know, building a foundation with somebody so that your house doesn't fall to pieces the second, you know, uh, the first storm comes. We should talk about Instagram. Let's have a talk about Instagram. Grams of the instance. We have an Instagram. It is our primary social media place where we drop yes we (laughs) drop all of our pictures all of our funny stuff um all of our like even like selfies when we go to stuff our instagram (laughs) is wonderful it's a wonderful magical place that is starting to really blossom as we put more and more energy and time into it we want to have other social media um platforms but instagram is really where it's at so we we post to other platforms but yeah instagram is the place to be yeah (laughs) Um, one of the single most important things that you could do for us besides leaving a review that's positive, um, (laughs) is to interact with our Instagram because what we really want to do is see our channel blossom and grow. And in order to rose, if you care, um, about how our channel is doing, if you want to let us know that, that, that you support us, please, please, please stop by our Instagram. It's K is for kinky. I know big surprise. Leave a comment, like a post. I hate advertising. Then stop. I'm trying. (laughs) Then stop. Back to the episode. The rose ceremony, there's a lot of history there, which I don't feel I am qualified at this point. Lancelot had an interest in Guinevere that was called courtly love. And he presented to her a rose. I heard that is courtly love. (laughs) Courtly love. This courtly love was non-sexual. It was allowed to be romantic, but you could never get your rocks off. Lancelot decided to get into a DS relationship with Guinevere, and he showed his submission to her by giving her a rose. This was the very first BDSM rose ceremony of all time. (laughs) None of that is true. And it is carried through to this day. Be like Lancelot. I'm going to give you kind of the bare bones of the actual rose ceremony. I feel like what I did was great. Um, I don't know about Lancelot, but typically a rose ceremony includes some kind of um, a rose. <laughs> the, the S type and the D type both prick their fingers traditionally with a thorn on the rose um, and drop their blood onto the petals. There's different versions of this. Um, some people will have the S type presenting a white rose that is not quite fully in bloom. The D-type has a red rose that is more in bloom. These things represent their dominance and their submission. And But but kind of Can the I bare bones like a, again is drops of blood on the rose. Can I present like a Venus flytrap <sighs> oh that's in full bloom to you? No. As my submission? Can my submission be a Venus flytrap? Are you going to say feed me Seymour during the ceremony? Oh, I love you. <laughs> Here's my flower. I wish we were videotaping this podcast. People want video of us, and they need to they need to tell us what they want to see on our YouTube channel, or else we just, oh they just get only audio from now on. You yeah. just hit the voice. Anyway, so that's the bare bones of of a rose um, ceremony, or yeah, a rose ceremony um, 
within the coloring you can ceremony. Sub in any flower you want: Venus flytrap, cactus, no. whatever you need. Oh lord, it's called a rose ceremony. Ooh, a the rose blimp. by it's any the other blimp. name. Oh my god, so we can see the Goodyear blimp out our window. Holy shit! There's a blimp. <laughs> Everyone, stop! Oh, god. I've Is never it? seen that before. It's not going down. It's just really low. Yeah. Are they touring? Don't tell them where we live. Sorry. Are, are they touring this Actually, place? They, they, okay. I'm mesmerized. Well, but yeah, there's... Oh, my God. They're dropping roses out the oh blimp. Oh, Lord. They are not. Oh, my God. More lies. What anyway, saying? there's so there's other traditional pieces in terms of the rose ceremony. There can be fire elements uh, in terms of... Fire elements? Well, because back in the day, um, they would take the collar, which was typically made of metal or chain, and run it through the fire... Do you have any idea um, how and then put it back. how sacred that is and how like yeah. honestly spiritual and like pagan that is? That's amazing. Yeah. So anyway. Just, wait, hold on. Hold yeah. on. Okay. Two things. One, can we have spiritual stuff at our coloring ceremony? Can I bring in my spiritual stuff? Because I feel like it really overlaps. That's my first question. And my second comment is when I was looking to get married and then did get married to my ex, <laughs> we were looking for places to get married and we went to this one location and they were like, and of course, the fire element. And they like, Part of part of them trying to sell us a wedding package was like having flames burst into the air after we got married, and I was like, "Who needs a fire element?" They made it sound like, of course, every wedding needs a fire element, like fireworks. Yeah, like no, like they had like shot flames into the air from like flamethrowers. That seems dangerous since there was a lot of foliage. It wouldn't be a wedding without the fire element. So I just wanted to say, like, <laughs> there are vanilla wedding people who are trying to incorporate fire elements as well. If you look into, we should probably research. Um, like more of the history of the rose ceremony because it is really beautiful. Maybe we should research it before we started this episode. Probably, but they the get the about- gist. Like that's the the bare bones of it. Um, again, a lot of people now will just use one rose and they'll both prick their fingers or use a knife. I've seen that happen where they just instead of um, using a thorn. I typed in rose ceremony. It says rose ceremony, the bachelorette. Yeah, I don't that's, that's not the same for. one. I want to give you this rose. But some people will have, like, the one that I went to that was at my party, they had um, a rose made for them out of metal. So it wasn't a real rose with um, thorns. And so the D-type used a knife to prick their fingers um, to put the blood on it. And that was so that, obviously, the rose will never die. Um, So it was being able to, you know, save it as a keepsake. I found something here. Uh, this well, is you want to just read stuff off the internet like yes okay this is called this is from a website called beautifullybound.com it's called the old ways it's posted in the old ways bds and rose ceremony the ceremony is never public well that's not true now most often only the couple <laughs> and one or two of their closest associates attend the submissive carries a single white rose not in full bloom the dominant holds a single red rose that is opened almost fully that's really cool oh i just, oh, I just oh, said that but i know i'm saying you were right you were right according to this blog like how shocked you are i'm i'm just <laughs> impressed with your brain both roses must have thorns on their stems and be freshly cut to perform two other parts of this ritual a six to eight foot length of light chain is also required along with several candles or an alcohol burner yeah this one has like a chain involved and it's like an eternal bond like this that in this verse version of the coloring ceremony it's like you're bound for life. It's like basically for real marriage. Eden's back to reading the... <laughs> Anyways, you can find more about this on beautifullybound.com. Um, you can Google BDSM Rose Ceremony and you will probably find several different articles to look at. Ooh, 
It says that in the morning we're supposed to share our hopes and dreams of being together. Oh, you're going to love that. That's after the ceremony. Yeah. I wake up the next morning. I poke you awake. Hey, Miss Jen. Hey, Miss Jen. What are your hopes and dreams of being with me? Shut up. Give me coffee. Do you, do you love me? <laughs> not right now. Not until coffee. Give are you coffee. hoping? Are you hoping about the rest of the future every morning like this? Yes, as long as you give me coffee. Oh, my God. It's so sweet. It's like we already just rehearsed it. We're ready. <laughs> Anywho's. So, yeah. So, coloring ceremonies can be really super duper beautiful and touching and loving and really mean a lot. Because and never public. That's... <laughs> Some people don't do it publicly. Some people will either do it just themselves because like unlike a marriage where you have to have at least one witness, this obviously you don't, right? It's not legal. Um, But yeah, so this one, you know, you might just be at home. A lot of people do that where they're at home and they just kind of have their own special thing. Um, Some people might have just one or two close friends with them for it. Or like the ones I've been to, you know, either during a party or right before a party opens, they'll they'll make a deal, not make a deal, but they'll like rent the venue before the party wow. begins um, and then keep on celebrating throughout the, the event. Um, or like the, the more formal one that I went to actually rented out a dungeon and it was, you know, their invited guests just like you would rent out a venue for a wedding. Um, and it was just those people invited and, we, you know, the, the reception. What if I if want to have the coloring ceremony underwater? We all know you can't hold your breath that long. Um, excuse me. <laughs> the last time. First of all, she's referencing a moment where she cheated. Miss Jen is a cheater, no cheater, rule. cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. Miss <laughs> Jen and I had an agreement that whoever could hold their breath the longest under the water won the competition. We... Pinched our noses shut and went under. And this cheater, cheater, cheating, cheaterson. I tickled you. McCheaterson did not tickle me. She stabbed me under the water you. with her nails. <laughs> That's tickling. And called it tickling. Obviously, I had to come up for air. And she's like, I beat you. I can hold my breath for longer. And it's like, well, yeah. Um, but excuse me. We did it several times. And uh, if I recall, the last time I did not touch you and I still won. My confidence was shattered from the previous cheating. <laughs> Anyways, I can't hold my breath underwater as long as I'm not being stabbed in the side. I mean, I'm nails. a certified scuba diver, but you're terrified to do that. So I actually said I wanted to try it. Scuba dive under the water. Rose ceremony. <laughs> How are we going to do a rose ceremony under the water with blood involved? Oh, my God. What if, what if sharks came? Oh what God. if the sharks came yeah, to the blood? Yeah, that's probably not a good. Maybe we shouldn't do this underwater after <laughs> no, all. Unless it's in a pool. Ooh. We have to chase the blood droplets. <laughs> what if we want everyone to attend the what the wedding the uh the collaring ceremony underwater with us everyone has to be in scuba gear it's ridiculous it's really ridiculous of course it is ridiculous what did you think that i would not be ridiculous no you know you know you know who i am anything else you want to talk about with the collaring ceremony topic i recommend if you're ever invited to one go are you telling that to me or to the listeners to the listeners i mean you too but i think if i was invited to one you would be too together we're kind of a package deal Tweedledee and Tweedledum. I'm D. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to be like, well, I ain't Tweedledums. I'm Tweedledee. <laughs> so, yeah, they're they're beautiful. Um, the level of commitment is usually, you know, pretty intense. And they've done a lot of work typically to get there. I keep saying typically because we all know that there are exceptions to this. But, you know, they've usually spent at least a couple of years in the relationship, usually longer, and they've 
communicated a lot and worked on typically if they're getting a coloring ceremony a lot of times that means they have some kind of contractor agreement that they've been working on and <clears throat> figuring out not just the relationship but the ds and protocols if they have protocols and you know all that kind of stuff so i think it's i think it's pretty cool I think you're pretty cool. We wanted sure. to cover this, obviously, because it is the month of Valentine's Day, which is typically a month where people focus on relationships and lovey-dovey stuff. Um, DS is a really unique type of commitment that can involve romance. It can involve sex. It can involve lots of things that are, you know, found in Valentine's Day, like relationships. But I feel like DS is a special type of commitment, a special type of bond that can one be completely separate from all of those things but when layered in can add a level of depth and connection that's pretty astounding um i really hope that we continue to work on our ds dynamic in our relationship can you not make exhausted <laughs> faces and like eyebrow raises when i'm saying it? i'm agreeing you're agreeing with judgment <laughs> you're you're being a d um but i mean i i really hope that we can continue to grow because I would like to reach a point in my life with the partner that I've chosen, the, the dominant that I'm, you know, in service to and trusting. I would like to reach a point where I can honestly say that I trust her as much as I trust myself. Well, hopefully you've learned something about coloring ceremonies. And if you haven't and you already knew all this, good for you. Um. <laughs> and if you haven't, then I guess good for if you. you. If you've had a, a coloring ceremony, we would love to hear about it. You can tell us by yeah. commenting on our Instagram because that would really help boost our Instagram and also that give too. us information. You could also send us a postcard and just write it out. Oh, yeah. Miss Jen really wants snail mail. Like, very badly, <laughs> she wants snail mail. The address is in the show notes. Yeah, check that out. Um, and last but not least, we want to thank the people who have helped make this podcast possible. Um, I'm referencing, of course, our team, Tussled. Tussled does amazing um, notes at the end of um, every episode uh, where they basically summarize in the funniest way possible what occurred. You can find those on our Instagram, hint, hint. And what else does Tussled do, Miss Jen? Well, they're also on Discord and Tussled is also part of our research team. Um, and then who is our second person on our team, Miss Jen? Lena. Lena. Lena is awesome. Lena um, has been, you know, supporting us and helping us out from day one and is very helpful with the Discord in particular. So if you join our Discord, you'll meet Lena. Um, we want to thank Tussled and Lena so much for helping us out, being part of our team. Um, so without, uh, without being said, thanks for listening. All our kinklings. Bye. I thought it was be well, precious kinklings. I say it different every time. I got to keep it spicy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god. Be well, our precious kinklings.